Let us pray. We praise you, we glorify you, and we lift you up, Lord Jesus. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords, and there are no others above you. I thank you and I praise you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would use me this day to proclaim this word in boldness. And I pray that your spirit would be clear and that we would hear the word designated for each of us individually today. And I thank you and I praise you and give you all the glory, for it is in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I'm so excited about this particular text. When I saw that that this was the text that I could preach on today, I was so excited. I had so many things written down about this particular text that when I went to print it, it was eight pages. And I thought, well, that sounds right. It's because there's so much in Scripture about this particular topic that we're going to talk about today. The context in which our gospel message for today is found is one of five narratives in the first three chapters of Mark. And all five of these narratives deal with a controversy. And, of course, where there's a controversy, there's going to be the religious leaders. That would be the Pharisees and the scribes. And it seemed like every time Jesus spoke or said anything or did anything, there were Pharisees or scribes present. And why were they there? Because they were looking for blasphemy. You see, Jesus was probably the worst scofflaw of them all. Because he would say things like this. The Father and I are one. Blasphemy. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Blasphemy. What about the law? Who are you? And then, of course, the story that we're going to talk about today, he actually forgives sins. And only God can forgive sins. Now, let me set the scene for you. I want you to let your imagination sort of run wild here. And I want you to think about this for just a second. The houses in the Middle East were quite different than this house right here. The houses in the Middle East, especially during this period of time, would have, you know, walls, a door, and then walls, and there would be open sky. And then you would have another little section where maybe there was a lot of straw and some wood beams on top, and they could go into a room for safety there, or they could go in to eat in another room here. So, not like this particular structure. So what happened is that Jesus had been traveling, and he was doing miracles. He was healing people. He was binding and casting out demons from demon-possessed people. Now, just, I want to see a show of hands. How many people have seen a demon-possessed Uh, Person, raise your hand. None. Right. Oh. (laughs) 
right. That, that was my daughter. Wonder what she meant by that. <laughs> you know, leave it to your family to encourage you. Yeah, right here, right here, right here, right here. We don't see demon-possessed people very often, people that throw themselves on the ground that really are possessed by demons, people that really have asked Satan to come into their life, that have invited spirits, evil spirits, to come into their life. We don't see a lot of that. Um, Robert, my husband, has traveled a lot more internationally with the healing ministry that we're a part of, uh, more than I have. And he has actually witnessed that in some of the villages that he went to. And these people actually had asked the, the evil, the demonic spirits to come and live in them. And so when you pray and do exorcism on something like that, you better hope that you know Jesus Christ. Because demons don't listen to anybody but Jesus Christ. So he had been doing this. And so people had been traveling with him like an entourage and been following him and watching all the miracles that he did. Well, he finally comes home and everybody hears about that. And so they just, they flood into the house. And they are stacked up. Now, you imagine this building right here so full that people can't even get through the door. The doors are open and they're standing all the way back, but they can't even get in because Jesus is there. Now, that's another sermon about this place being that full. But Jesus is here. And when Jesus was at this house, they were stacked in there because they wanted to see Jesus. Now, imagine this. All of a sudden, we're here. The word of God is being proclaimed. And the next thing we do is we hear a saw. And and we look all look up to the top. And what do we see? We see a hole being cut in the roof of St. Luke's building here. And, and we're, and we're, we're stunned. And all of a sudden, this man that is crippled, severely crippled, is being lured down on ropes on a mat. And he comes down and he's placed right in the center. This is what happened. The paralytic man was what I like to call was on a faith mat. You know, like a placemat that you would put a, 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 um, a plate on. He, this man was on a faith mat. Because what we know is that when Jesus saw the faith of these four men who lowered this paralytic down, when he saw their faith, he turned to the paralytic and said, Your sins are forgiven. Get up, take up your mat, and walk. Controversial. Controversial. What has he done? He's forgiven sins. He started to stir the crowds in excitement. They weren't having a problem with Jesus coming in there and healing this poor man who the only thing he could do for a living was beg. Because he had no other way to earn a living. And so he laid on this mat 
which was probably his bed, they weren't controversial about it. But the scribes were watching it very carefully. He saw the faith in these four. They must have truly believed that Jesus could heal this man. Why would they do that? Why would they go cut a hole in somebody's house? Why would, could you imagine somebody comes into your house and, and you got all these people there because we're proclaiming the word of God and the next thing you know, <laughs> the next thing you know, somebody cuts open your roof and puts down somebody that needs to be healed? They did it because they believed that Jesus could heal him. It was the gift of faith that they had received by merely being in the presence of God himself that allowed them to believe that Jesus could do it. Also, eyewitness. They saw it happen. The faith mat, which is what I call these people bringing this man to Jesus, is often faith mats we have all around our church of prayer. The prayers of the people are faith mats. We have so many ministries going on at St. Luke's of help, of faith mat help. We have our intercessors. We have our prayer teams. You know, I've been to, to conferences and been to retreats and things like that, and our prayer teams at these retreats line the walls. They line the walls. Because when the people come and the Holy Spirit reveals to them that they need to come to Jesus, they want a prayer minister. They want a faith mat that they can go to. We have intercessors. We have the daughters of the king. The daughters of the king send out prayer requests all the time to each other. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for me because I'm not always here. And so I have a, a difficulty. Uh, I have a difficult time feeling connected. I'm such a people person that sometimes I just feel like I'm here, but I'm not here. But when those prayers come over my email to pray for, for somebody who has this or that or the other, I instantly feel connected. I get my faith mat. And I say, Lord, I'm, I'm bringing this person to you. I'm bringing them to you for you to heal them. And all of a sudden, I've got this connection with, with my family here at St. Luke's. We have so many ministries with our children's ministry, our youth ministry. Our Stephen ministry, all of the, the times that we come together and worship, all of these particular ministries are faith mats to people. There are people that come to church sometimes on Sunday. They don't know why they're here. That's well, Sunday. I guess I'll go to church. That's what people do. And they come and they, and they need healing. And somebody sitting right next to them or somebody in one of these ministries is carrying their faith mat. 
because they believe that our call on our life as Christians is to bring people to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So that he can heal them. We are not the cure. We're not the healers. We're we're the care. We're the ones that lift them up when they can't be lifted up. We're the ones that seek the Lord. When I was going through my treatment, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer over a year and a half ago, and I was going through my infusion treatment, the first part of the infusion treatment was not too bad. It was bad, (laughs) But, but it wasn't too bad. But the second four weeks of infusion, the doctor said, the oncologist said, we're throwing the kitchen sink at it. I said, throw, just start throwing. So we'd go into the infusion lab, and Robert would come in there, and one of the things that I remember that was so powerful for me was that he would lay his hands. Now, well, let me say this before I say that. When they give you chemo sometimes, they got it wrapped up in this brown hazmat bag. Well, you know, I was an x-ray tech for 26 years, so when I see that, I have different thoughts about it. And then, of course, everybody else is dressed out in hazmat, and they got all these masks on. And and you think to yourself, okay, now y'all are dressed up like that, and y'all are going to put that in my veins when they won't even touch it? And so Robert would lay his hand, put his hand out in front of that, and he would say, Lord, we thank you and praise you for this medicine. And we pray that you would use it to heal. And I got through that process, and it sure looked like, boy, I'm done with this. Hallelujah. But we decided that I needed to take more chemo pills in case there were escapees, ones that had escaped before they got annihilated. And so you see, the Lord is still healing me in ways that I have no idea of what kind of healing he's doing. But I know that I've been healed in ways that I've never been healed before. I've seen things that God has shown me because he's healed a particular part of my emotions in my will, my intellect, my emotional life. He's healed those things in me so that I'm able to see things that I couldn't see before. Instead, I just saw the pain and the suffering. But when he healed that, then I was able to see deeper into what he was trying to show me. On the premise of these four men, their faith, Jesus healed this man, and on the fact that he had the authority, as we read in heaven and on earth, to forgive sins because he was God incarnate. So you see, we don't see until chapter 9 in Mark really his revelation. He doesn't really reveal himself very much. It's sort of hidden in Mark that he is the Son of God, that he is God. But we see that little window opening up in chapter 2, that that is who he is. Well, today... We still have a controversy about this sin and sickness thing. We still struggle when we try to pray with people. We're not sure how to pray when they come to us. Some of that 
is because we think we're responsible. Some of that is because we think we're responsible for the healing. I have this saying that I used to say all the time when I would be doing training for healing and all. I said, this is what you do. You pray for this person. You ask them. You say to them, is there anything that you need to confess? Is there something that's laying heavy on you, a sin that you've carried all of your life that you need to confess? Is, is there someone you need to forgive that you just, they, they, they're just like a, like a thorn in your flesh, you know, like a little pebble in your shoe, and you've just had this for years and years and years, and, and it's, it started to really get to you. Is there something that you need to, to just forgive, somebody you need to forgive, to let go of? Do you need to forgive yourself? You'll hear in just a little while a wonderful um, testimony about Kairos, um, which is our mission for the month. And, and one of the things that, that Ron said that was so just so great, and I'm adding it right now, is forgiving yourself. A lot of times we can forgive others and we can confess our sins. But if we do something really stupid, real stupid, it's very hard to forgive yourself. But you see, when we do that, we're blocking out Jesus. We're saying, I don't believe you can heal me, Jesus. I don't believe that your death on the cross for my sins was enough. What else can he do? He gave his life. That's what we say. And so if this person says, no, I don't think there's anything like that, then we continue to pray for them and say, well, Lord Jesus, you know what needs to be healed. And so so we just bring this person to you. And we pray that you would heal them in whatever part that they need healing to help them become closer to you. I say, and then after you do that, go to lunch. You know? Amen, right? That's an amen right over there. Go to lunch. It has, the results have nothing to do with us. We're not responsible for the re- results. We're responsible for bringing them to Jesus. We're responsible for bringing ourselves to Jesus. Because he is the only one that can truly heal our lives. There is nothing or no one that can truly heal the the things that need to be healed in our life so that we can be closer to him. Before we climb back in, no pun intended, or get lowered down into Mark, I want to talk to you a little bit about the scribes. These people were different than the Pharisees. These, these, were the, these were the elite, you know, sort of the academic bubbleheads. They, they, they had all the law down perfectly. They knew every word of it. They knew what had to be obeyed. And they knew if you did so-and-so, you had broken the law. So it was their job, actually, to make sure that everybody walked the line. And said and did what they were supposed to do. So you see why they were always on Jesus' back. Because he said a bunch of stuff that all of a sudden was seemed to be contrary to the law. And so they were there. And of course, 
They were very upset when he said your sins are forgiven. Because to take sin and sickness and say that sickness is caused by sin, that in and of itself is a controversial statement. And we still find it today. Let me give you a couple of examples of how that can be true. If a person is angry, I mean real mad most of the time. They get mad over everything. It doesn't matter what they do, what a person does. doesn't matter what a person says. They just get ticked off about it. And it, they burst out into rage. And sometimes they become violent. If that particular behavior pattern continues, they're going to start having high blood pressure. And if the blood pressure gets high enough and continues and is not treated, then they could have a heart attack. And so what we see there is we see that the sickness, the root of the sickness was sin. Another example, when I was an x-ray tech working in downtown Charleston in the 70s, in about 1978, um, the radiologist called me in his office. You always get scared when those sort of things happen. And called me in his office. He said, all right, you're one of those, um, those, you know, Christian Jesus kind of freaky people. I said, yes. He said, so I got this article I want you to read. In JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association. I said, oh, okay. So I read the article. And what it was is they had been doing this study for over the last 20 years uh, like the people in the rheumatology um, department, had been doing the study on people with arthritis, not rheumatoid, but just osteoarthritis. And they had been doing this study, and what they discovered was that the people who were holding on to some sort of anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, just that sort of emotional pattern, had a tendency to develop arthritis more than the people who did not. And so they said, the study continues. And so when I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, that is a sickness unto sin. That is something that that person, if we can get to the root of that, and find out why they feel that way and why they're angry and why they're bitter and who hurt them and blah, 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 all the things that go with that, we can ask Jesus to come into that situation right there and they can confess their sin, they can forgive, and they can be healed. I saw that with my own eyes at a prayer school that I was at. There was a woman there who was healed of arthritis in her hands. She went to the doctor, did just what she was supposed to do. And the healing started because of, of, of dealing with what, what was the root problem, which was the anger and hurt and bitterness in her soul. And, and finally, our last example that I think is one that we deal with quite often is we can get real depressed for a multitude of reasons. There can be many, many things that have gone on that can cause depression. It can be a chemical imbalance. Lots of things that can cause depression. 
One particular um, lady that I was praying for got so depressed that she became anorexic. And I watched her lose 30 pounds over like a three-week period of time. And her body, just all of her organs got affected greatly from it. And as we, she was going to a nutritionist and going to a doctor, and then we were also doing prayer ministry, working together. And so as we started working in particular areas of her life, we found the root problem. And she started dealing with that, and her healing, you could see her body starting to heal along with her emotions. So we've got these examples, but not all sickness is because of sin. So hear that clearly, that not all sickness is due to sin. The best example is John 9, Bartimaeus. When his disciples said to the man born blind, Jesus, whose sin was this? Was this Bartimaeus's sin? Or was this the sin of his father's? He said, neither. It's for the glory of God. And you think to yourself, my heavens, you allowed the man to be born blind for your glory, Lord? Oh, but we know that story, don't we? Jesus brought him back sight. But more importantly, he brought him back spiritual sight. You see, he was able to see Jesus. And that is what it's all about. When Jesus comes into our life to touch us, to heal us, It's about getting us closer to him. That's what healing is about. It's not just about taking care of our suffering. It's not just about, Lord, I'm tired of this. I want prosperity. I want this job. I want that job. I want my family to straighten up. It's not just about that. It's about our relationship with Jesus. It's about getting close to him. He says to the scribes, he says, well, tell me something. What do you think is easier, to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk? What's what's easier? So then he looks at the paralytic and he says to the paralytic, this is in verse 9 and 10 of Mark 2 that we just read. And then turning to the paralytic, he said, arise, take up your mat and go home. Now. At that point, we see the faith, sin, forgiveness. We see that interconnected because it is. All of that is interconnected. We see it in Scripture in Psalm 41.4. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Jeremiah 3.22. Return, O faithless son. I will heal your faithlessness. Behold, here's the key. Behold, we come to you. You see, we come to you. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You know, it's hard for us to let down the walls. It's hard for us to admit that there's something wrong with us. It's hard for us to admit that we've done something wrong, 
that we're not as perfect as we look. It's hard for us to admit that we need to forgive somebody. That's very hard to do because we have got a glob of pride that lives in our soul that is going to take the rest of our life to clean that out. Because that is what we struggle against. So as we pray, Lord, humble me. Humble me. I want to be close to you, Jesus. Yes, I want to be healed. I want, I want my cancer to be completely gone. I don't want to have to deal with it. Lord, I got lots to do. That's what I told him. You know what he told me? Yeah, I got lots to do in you, too. I said, I hear you. I hear you. He's using the oncologist, the pharmacologist, all the people that I go to. He's using those people to heal the part of me that would keep me from getting closer and closer to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Here's your challenge. What does your faith map look like? Do you believe that Jesus is the answer to every question? Do you believe it? You have the gift of faith that lives inside of you because that's what was given to you. When you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the gift of faith went there for you to be able to do it. We can't believe without the gift of faith. You're sitting here because you've got the gift of faith. You're not sitting here because you thought it'd be a good idea to come to church. That would make you responsible for your salvation and you responsible for all that goes on in your life. But the gift of faith has convicted you that this is where you need to be. And so you took up your mat and you came. That's why you're here. Because Jesus wants to touch your life. He wants to heal the part of you that's blocking you from him. It's up to God as to how he's going to heal us. I mean, I can, I can tell him till I'm blue in the face what I want him to do. But if it's not his will, then, you know, it's sort of like what, what Charlie Brown used to hear when the teachers were talking. Wah, 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 wah. He wants to heal the part of us. And it might be our body. And it might be our soul. And it might be our spirit that will bring us closer to him. That is what he wants to do. And he wants to use us as faith mats for people here, in the next neighborhood, in the next county, in the next state, in the next country. To bring them to Jesus. That is the ministry. That is the mission statement of Jesus Christ. Let me read in Luke 4 when Jesus went into the temple. He went and he picked up the scroll and he opened it to a certain place. And this is what he read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden. 
He is here to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. When he closed the book and gave it back and sat down, this is what he said. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today, Jesus wants to touch your life. He wants to heal you of whatever is blocking or keeping us from getting to Jesus. Sometimes we have to have the the faith mat of our friends, don't we? For many months I laid on the faith mat that my, my friend, my best friend Lydia, made for me and sent it to me. And it was a red mat, like just like a place mat. And she wrote on it, faith mat. And in the card she said, lay on this. Because, you see, people were praying for me. And so I needed to just lay there and receive those prayers. What is your, what is your faith, man? Do you believe that Jesus is here to answer any question, to touch you and heal you in any way that will bring you closer to him? Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you and we praise you. For you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You are God incarnate. You are God. You are the healer. And Lord, there's so many of us here that have so many areas of our, of our will, emotions, our intellect, our soul that, that are hurt, that are wounded. And Lord, we, we, we just, we need to forgive. We just need to forgive. Let go. Move on. Take up our mat and go. Lord, we need to confess. So I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of the gift of the, of faith that's been put in us, Lord, that, that we would do that. And we thank you and we praise you that is by your mercy and your grace that you will heal us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.